Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and good evening, everyone, and welcome to Good News. I am Deacon Al. I am a permanent deacon here in the Peoria Diocese, serving in the Bloomington Normal area. And we join you on Catholic Spirit Radio as frequently as we can for about 30 minutes to talk about Scripture and the effect of of the wisdom of Scripture in our lives uh, today, no matter what our age. And I especially like talking to the teenagers. I have a lot of experience with with teenagers. I was a uh, scout leader for... Well, counting my years as a scout, 49 years in the scouting program, 40 of that was spent as an adult leader and working almost almost all the time with teenagers. A few years when my son was very young, I was a Cub Scout leader and I, I dealt with the, the seven to 10-year-olds. Oh my, uh, there's root canal. I mean, I I love kids. I lo- I I do. I love kids, and and Cub Scouts are great fun. But thank goodness for den leaders, who spent the majority of time with with the little ones, because that's just not that's not my greatest strength. Um, I'm good with teenagers. We we seem to get along fine, and we talk well, and uh, I get their humor, and they get mine. And the my last gosh, my last seven years. In scouting, and I've been out of the program now for about seven years. But the last seven years in it, I spent as a Sea Scout leader, a skipper of a Sea Scout ship. We uh, we would do a, a scouting program based on water activities, and we were a sailing unit. We had fourteen boats, fourteen sailboats. Our three largest were cabin cruisers. Uh, one was 23 foot long, and the one was 19, and one was 20. Wow. And uh, we taught. I I had it in in our unit, and it was really I didn't run it. I was the advisor. It was youth run. I I trained teenagers to run it. So I had I had a bosun's mate who who actually ran the the, the activities, and we would we would my my mates and I would. Uh, give the bosun and the bosun's mates uh, leadership training so that they could turn around and, and run the ship. And in those seven years, we taught almost 200 uh, youth in the community how to sail. We had a great sailing program. And it was some of the best adventure in scouting. And I've, I've done a lot of stuff in scouting. I've, I've done a lot of, I mean, we camped, we camped outside of Yellowstone Park one time Um we're the only ones in the park, Gallatin uh, State Park. We're the only ones in Gallatin because a couple of days before we got there, there was a grizzly attack. And two campers were eaten, dragged out of their tent and eaten. And so we pulled, we didn't know, we were still on the road when this happened, so we wouldn't know. So we, we pull into our, our, our charter bus. I've got, I've got four other adults and about 30 uh, teenagers with me. We pull in, into the park uh, to camp after we've been through uh, Yellowstone. This is on the 4th of July. We were Yellowstone Park, 4th of July, had a snowball fight. We got a foot of snow on the 4th of July in Yellowstone. Wow. 
And we're outside the bus in, in shorts and T-shirts having a snowball fight on a mountainside in Yellowstone. So I know exactly when this happened. So we get into Gallatin, and as we, as we pull in, and it's down in a valley. It didn't have as much snow as the mountains did. So we get down into this, into this beautiful little valley, and uh, there's huge pictures, uh, post, posters about two foot by two foot, three foot by three foot, something like that, of this snarling, a, a sketch of a snarling grizzly bear head, teeth bared, drool coming down. It says, danger, recent bear attack, camp at your own risk. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So we camped there. I mean, we'd had all, we'd done all the training for, for the, uh, for grizzly attack. I have to tell this story. I have to tell this story. So, we're getting the camp set up and the ranger comes in and he says, you guys sure you want to stay? And I said, I, I got no place else to go. We got, we have, this is where we had our reservations. There's it's the, it's July. There's no place else to go. He says, well, you're the only ones in the park. No one else will camp here. So it's just you. So we'll keep an eye on things. And if, if the problem comes up, you'll hear, we'll sound the sirens, get on the bus and go leave all your gear, get on the bus and start driving. Cause it turns out that a grizzly bear can open up a hole in the side of of a charter bus big enough for him to crawl through in three hits of his paw. That's how powerful these things are. Three hits, and he's got a hole that he can enter the bus with. So it's not even get on the bus and close the doors. It's get on the bus and move, right? And so I got dads who are in absolute, you know, doe-eyed and sweating and, you know, scared to death. And I turned to my senior patrol leader thinking, you know, you're in charge. What do you want to do? And he looks at me, he goes, cool. <laughs> so, so we stayed, right? So uh, the ranger said, so you've had all the bear training. And the, they asked the kids questions. And the kids said, yeah, here's, here's what we know. And they, they did great. And so the, the rangers were comfortable with us staying in the park. And if any of my former scouts, and this goes back to the 80s. So if any of my scouts... Grown up now have told this story to their kids, and uh, I, they'll, they, you can uh, call me and verify all this. So the ranger gets through questioning uh, the scouts, and a dad raises his hand, and he says, so if a bear comes into our tent during the night, what do we do? The ranger says, great question. He says, first thing you have to do is identify the type of bear. Is it a black bear? Or is it a grizzly bear? Because those are the only two they've got out there. He says, because black bears are just big raccoons. They're just, they're looking for easy food. And so what do you do with raccoons? You make a bunch of noise, you holler, you bang pots and pans, that kind of thing. You make a commotion. The the black bear's not interested in commotion. He's looking for easy stuff. Uh, He's going to turn around and leave. He says, well, it's dark. How, How can I tell in the middle of the night it's a black bear or a grizzly bear? And the ranger says, another great question. So here's what you do. Uh, you reach up and you measure his tooth. If the tooth, <laughs> he says, if the tooth is three inches or shorter, it's a black bear. <laughs> start, start shouting and, and making noise and it'll turn around and go away. If the tooth is six inches long or longer and your hand doesn't come back, it's a grizzly. Use your other hand to open up a hole in the back of the tent and get your butt out of there. So, <laughs> my poor dads, they were just, 
I had I had one one dad who uh, sat in the bus with the key in the ignition. He was ready. He was ready. I mean, he was going to go alone. If a bear came in and those sirens went off, he was ready to just pull out and leave the rest of us. We had some that slept under the bus, thinking that would be a good idea. And we had a few boys who started a fire, thinking if we keep a fire going all night long, that'll keep all the bears away. And that lasted till about one in the morning, and they were sound asleep, and I just left them sleeping by the fire. We never had a problem. It was a beautiful campground. Never had a problem. And... uh I'll tell you this as well for those of you who don't know about grizzly bears. They at, at Yellowstone they have them all tagged. They have radio um, sensors, uh, broadcasters on on collars on the grizzlies, and they said we know that the closest bear to you is about five miles away. And everybody kind of wiped their heads and whoosh. and the ranger says, "Oh, you have no idea how fast they are. You just have no idea." that a grizzly bear can run through a thicket that you couldn't walk through, can run through it at 35 miles an hour, five miles away. <laughs> and most of that downhill, <laughs> these things move incredibly fast and they have incredible sense of smell, hundreds of times better than ours. So they can smell, we learned this one packing, they can smell toothpaste in a closed tube, in a Ziploc bag, in another Ziploc bag, in a backpack, they can smell miles away. And that's like candy. So you take all your soaps and your deodorants and your toothpaste and everything, all like 50 yards outside of camp. Um, the things you have to do to keep the bears from coming in is incredible. But I guess my point to all this was I've had great adventures in scouting, just really great adventures. But the best adventure I had was a Sea Scout skipper, was learning how to sail these boats, was just an absolute blast. And to see, I've, I had some of my scouts went on to uh, race uh, sailboats in college. A couple of them went into the Navy. One of them went into the Coast Guard. Um, another one got a degree uh, uh, at Missouri State in uh, uh, boat engineering and design, boat design. So a lot of my a lot of my guys and 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 girls as well uh, went into this uh, professionally, and went, went into sailing, uh, and some connection with sailing. So it was a great program, and uh, and it was run completely. We'll talk about this sometime. Was run completely on faith, in that it takes a lot to keep fourteen boats on the water because they wear out fast and things break and accidents happen and weather is tough on them. And we kept these boats uh, seaworthy uh, completely through prayer. It was it was really amazing, amazing the way, the way things happened. I sat down one time, was explaining to a new uh, adult leader how this worked because he didn't believe it, and I said, you know, we need an outdoor an outboard motor for one of our larger boats because you needed an outboard to get out of the out of the bay area and into the into the actual river to sail. And uh, they're expensive. It's about right now an outboard motor is about a thousand dollars per horsepower. So a five horse motor is close to five grand. And we just needed a little one, like a three horse. We didn't have three thousand dollars. So he said, "What are you going to do?" I said, "We're going to pray." He said, you want to pray with me? And we sat down, 
uh, sitting on the dock of the bay, right? We sat down there on the wharf, and uh, we prayed that if God wanted this program to succeed, it would require an outboard motor. It's your program. We do this for your glory. If you want us to have an outboard, we'll we'll wait for it at, at your convenience kind of a thing, right? We finish our prayer, and he goes, that's it? I said, that's it. I said, I'm, I'm, I have total confidence. We'll have an outboard. And a guy walks up to us and said, did I just hear you pray for an outboard motor? I said, yes, sir, we did. He says, I've got one in my garage that I'm not using. Would you like to have it? I'm, this is how, for seven years, we kept 14 boats afloat through prayer. When we needed something, when our very first boat, we didn't have any boats. We just had kids who wanted to learn how to sail, and we had no boats. So we gathered around in a circle, and we prayed that someone might find it in their hearts to have mercy on us and uh, offer us a boat. I got home and got a phone call and had a 20-foot sailboat donated. So... When people say, have you, have you ever actually seen God work in your life? Yeah, uh, several times. And it's, it's a blast. I mean, it's a, it became just, it was a real thing of joy. And the, the scouts actually looked forward to when we needed something. Can we pray about that? Yeah, sure, let's pray about that. And I have to say, we never had a prayer go unanswered. So again, here we are halfway through the program. We haven't even talked about Scripture, but I hope you learned something about God in, in what we've talked about so far. Of course, we spent the first half of the show talking about grizzly bears. So if you have any questions about grizzly bears or God, uh, you can send your questions to our mailbag at catholicspiritradio.org, and we will be happy to take your questions or comments and uh, discuss them on the air. So uh, we go from Sea Scouts and Grizzly Bears and what do grizzly bears and sea scouts have in common? I don't know. Uh, to a reading from the book of Samuel. Uh, this is one of our uh, readings from, from this weekend's Mass. Samuel writes, In those days Saul went down, and this is Saul, this is King Saul, not uh, Saul of Tarsus who becomes Peter. This We're talking about King Saul. In those days Saul went down in the desert of Ziph with 3,000 picked men of Israel to search for David in the desert of Ziph. So David and Abishai were among Saul's soldiers, went among Saul's soldiers by night, and found Saul lying asleep within the barricade, with his spear thrust into the ground at his head, and Abner and his men sleeping around him. Abishai whispered to David, God has delivered your enemy into your grasp this day. Let me nail him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I will not need a second thrust. But David said to Abishai, Do not harm him, for who can lay hands on the Lord's anointed and remain unpunished? So David took the spear and the water jug from their place at Saul's head, and they got away without anyone seeing or knowing or awakening. All remained asleep, because the Lord had put them into a deep slumber. Going across to an opposite slope, David stood on a remote hilltop, at a distance from Abner, son of Ner, and the troops. And he said, Here is the king's spear. Let an attendant come over to get it. 
The Lord will reward each man for his justice and faithfulness. Today, though, the Lord delivered you into my grasp. I would not harm the Lord's anointed. The word of the Lord. So this is really a story about mercy. You have to understand that that Saul, the first king of, of the Israelites, was very jealous of David, who had, who had served him really well. I mean, it was David who slew Goliath and was brought into the king's palace and served the king as, as a loyal attendant and was uh, Saul's son's best friend. And yet Saul had become so jealous of David's popularity that now he's trying to kill David, to rid himself of, of David and his fame. And so he's chasing David even into the desert. Now, you would think David would not be very happy about Saul. After all, he's trying really, really hard. He's brought 300 men to kill one. I'm sorry, 3,000 men to kill one man. That's how afraid of David uh, Saul has become. And so David goes to basically spy on Saul's camp. See who all's there, because he doesn't know how many men are there. He doesn't know uh, how they're equipped. So David sneaks into Saul's camp to do a little spying. And what he finds is, it's late at night, everybody's asleep. And he actually finds Saul lying there asleep. A perfect instrument for his death is just stuck in the ground right next to him. Just a matter of pick it up, plunge it into his chest, and he's done. But David shows great mercy here. And he shows mercy because even though he's not real happy with Saul, and he knows Saul hates him, he recognizes the fact that that Saul is still a child of God. In fact, God selected Saul to be the first king. He could have selected someone else, but he purposely put his hand upon Saul. And David, looking down, saying, I could easily destroy my enemy, but my enemy is still a chosen one of God. And so rather than hurt him, he takes the spear and the water jug, water gives life, and he takes it away. He stands at a distance and he wakes up the entire camp and he shows the instrument of death and he shows the jug of water, the instrument of life, to show that I had a choice of, of, with Saul of life or death, and I've chosen life. He says, I could have killed you and I didn't. And I didn't, I did, I did not kill you out of my respect for the fact that you are a chosen one of God. So this is great mercy. And we're going to see mercy is going to run through as our theme throughout this, the, the readings of this whole weekend. So our second reading is, is from St. Paul to the Corinthians. He says, brothers and sisters, it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. But the spiritual was not first, rather the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, earthly. The second man from heaven. As was the earthly one, so also are the earthly. As is the heavenly one, so also are the heavenly. Just as we we have been born the image of the earthly one, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly one, the word of the Lord. And this is a great message. And what, what we're hearing about from Paul is an understanding 
that Jesus is the second Adam. Just as the first Adam uh, was given to us by God, so was the second Adam, Jesus, God incarnate. The first Adam was made from the earth. The second Adam was made from heaven, is, is of heavenly substance. So they're different in that way. Adam came, the first Adam was created to be obedient, but disobeyed. The second Adam remains obedient even unto death. The first Adam had created in God's image. The second Adam was God's image. And so we are called not only to have an earthly image, uh, earthly characteristics, but we're called to have heavenly ones. In fact, if, if you read the Catechism, and you'll find this in, in uh, I believe, First John as well, if you read the Catechism, you'll read that Jesus became man, God became man, so that man could become like God. Jesus came to show us the image, the, the likeness of God that we had lost through the sin of the first Adam. The second Adam came to give back to us. So we all know we're born in the image and the likeness of God, but in the sin of Adam and Eve, we lost that likeness. So what was that likeness? It certainly wasn't what God looked like. Do we all look like God? Heck, we don't even all look like each other. Do we all look like Jesus? Well, we don't even know what physically Jesus looked like for sure. So it's not that kind of a likeness. The likeness that we lost was the character of God, the love character of God, the forgiveness, the compassion, the patience, uh, the the healing, the self-sacrificing uh, character of God. That's the likeness that was lost. We Adam and Eve were put here to behave as God created them to behave. We've lost that. And the reason we've lost that is we've entered into some of the same sins that Adam and Eve opened the door to. Uh, their big sin was one of pride. Uh, we still suffer from the sin of pride. But we have other sins that we suffer from as well that have stolen that likeness of God from us, and Christ came to give it back. Those who are who are of Christ, those who follow Christ, it's not just about believing in him or listening to his teachings. It's about changing ourselves to be like Christ, to be Christ-like, uh, which in a way, not to become God as in omnipotent and omnipresent, omnipresent uh, that type of God, there's only one God, but to become like gods, to become like the loving character of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. That's what we're being called to through the life of, of Jesus, the second Adam. So mercy continues to run through our readings. Our final uh, reading is the gospel according to Luke. And again, we're in we're in C, uh, the rotation, the, the three-year rotation of the Gospels, A, B, and C. We're in C, which is primarily Luke. You're going to hear some Gospels from Mark and some from John uh, during the year. But primarily, our readings are from Luke. So if you want to kind of get a, a, 
a little head start on on what the year in the church is going to look like between now and and next September. Um, A good way to do that would be to read through the Gospel of Luke and start getting some questions in your head about what's being said, what's being taught, and then listen closely to the homilies at Mass because the purpose of the homily is to explain that Gospel, to answer those questions. And by all means, if there's something in Luke you don't understand, ask your priest or your deacons to include that in the homilies. We're, we're open to that. I've had parishioners ask if I could find a way to talk about a certain topic. So I keep that in, in my mind and in my heart. And, and as I, as I uh, pray and meditate over uh, upcoming uh, scriptures that I'll be giving homilies for, I think about those things that my par- my parishioners have said they're curious about, <clears throat> and I try and answer those questions. So by all means, read Luke and then tell your priest what's, what's on your heart, what, what you want to learn more about. So the gospel according to Luke, Jesus said to his disciples, to you here, to you who hear, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. From the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. From the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend money to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies and do good to them. Lending, expecting nothing back, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you. A good measure, packed together, shaken down, and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure for which you measure will in turn be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. We're going to tie this back into Sea Scouts that we talked about at the beginning of the program. The part about if you show good intention, if you focus on doing the right thing and not worry about your enemies, not worry about what's owed you, not worried about what someone has done to you, and instead show goodness and kindness to everyone, that will be repaid. Good measure and overflowing. The purpose of doing good to others isn't for the reward. But Christ is telling you how how the mechanics of life works and how God's mercy works. He sees the mercy you give others, and he shares mercy through his graces back to you. You don't need to worry about what reward you get from other people. God will take care of that in his own way. When we, when we look for, when we look to give mercy to others, 
Well, let me explain it this way. Uh, again, a conversation I've, I've had with my eighth graders. If you were having a party and only invited the people who you liked, they'd probably come. But let's say you invited people you didn't like. Are they likely to come? Probably not. They just won't show up. And that's okay. That's their choice. But think about if you invited everyone. You didn't worry about who they were. If you liked them or didn't like them, you just opened the door to everyone and you welcomed everyone in. What a great thing that would be to be able to do. God opens heaven to everyone. Jesus came for the salvation of all mankind, not just Christians, not just people who liked him, everyone. It was a merciful, open offering. And anyone who RSVPs, who responds to Christ, is welcomed into that party. It's the ones who reject the, the, who reject the invitation, who say, I don't care about it and I'm not going. When they show up, that's the one God says, I don't know who you are. But the merciful he recognizes because they're, they're acting in, in the way he's asked them to act. They've RSVP'd uh, through their actions. We are out of time. I have so much more I wanted to tell you about this, and we are really out of time. What a pleasure it is uh, every, every time we get to meet. Thank you for tuning into Good News. We'll, we'll continue on this. It's an ongoing story. It's, uh, it's an ongoing faith, and we want you to be a part of it. So we hope you have a wonderful week, and may God bless you. See you next week. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.